Hey guys, what's happening? This podcast episode is brought to you by our sponsor. Are you ready? You're going to find them on Instagram at Glitter Karaoke Houston. Glitter Karaoke Houston. It's in Midtown. It's the perfect place for you to go and have your midweek unwind with a drink or three. It's one of the hottest little spots for karaoke and their food menu. Their kitchen is yummers like num 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 num. Their dumplings, their chicken. Oh God, what the hell did I have there? The chicken, not chicken wings, the chicken poppers. I don't know. All I know is the food is amazing. They're there for you Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. Wednesdays, which is today, 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. And on Sundays, they're there for you 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. You know what? They have industry night. That means the people that work in the industry that work their asses off in the kitchen, in the bars, in the restaurant, Monday is your night. Tuesday, taco night. Wednesday, steak night. Thursday is chef pop-ups. That means local chefs here in the Houston area get to come and do their thing and share their little menu with all their yummy stuff, right? And then Friday and Saturday, of course, is karaoke. Sundays is always live music and a DJ. So you got to pop in. They're at 2621 Milam. Milam, M-I-L-A-M, Milam Street, Houston, Texas, and that's in Midtown. Take care, guys. Amanda? Hello. Hello. Happy Tuesday. How are you? (laughs) Good. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you, and we're on. We're recording. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited. I, I just am because ever since we had our conversation, what was it a week or week and a half ago? I was like, oh my gosh. I know it's gonna. I know we have a short amount of time, but you're here. I just want to say thank you for being here. Um, for those of you listening, welcome to the podcast, Middle Finger Happiness. Work hard, live well. Don't fuck with me. These are stories of struggle and the comeback. You know, the the coming over the struggle stories. And I'm just gonna jump in immediately. Um, I have. Uh, a guest slash friend um, that I met on um, Clubhouse. A couple of, I guess, maybe, was it last month we met? No, no, it was last week. Last week. Everything happened last week. It was quick. It was so quick. <laughs> We're like, it was a connection. <laughs> it was. There was. So I have uh, today um, Amanda Hibbs. Now I want to ruin it. In- is it English? English. Yes. Or English. Yeah. English. English. Yes. English. English. Okay, so the SH yeah. is silent? Yeah. Hey, I said it correctly. Ah, all the way from Canada. Uh, an amazing woman, and you have an amazing story, not only about your son, but you. I want to know more, too, about you and your health and your well-being and how you just pers- pursue and continue. So, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, Thank you so much. You're welcome. So I just do the magic question, you know, who are you and what do you do? And then we'll just take it in from there. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, This is my first podcast and I'm brand new to iPhone. So I actually ended up getting an iPhone after being a Google Pixel user for about five years. Um, And the reason for the iPhone was for Clubhouse. I heard that this app was launching and it was doing amazing things for businesses and I knew I had to be a part of this movement and 
um, I wanted to connect with people again because currently I am in a 40-foot RV in the mountains of Canada um, and we're kind of just trying to find uh, find ourselves again and live our best lives because COVID has kind of taken that from us and we're not going to let it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we found this was easier financially, mentally, physically, all the things. And just going back to basics is always a great fundamental like skill and mindset to have is when life feels overwhelming, go back to basics. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, and it's been an amazing amazing like three months that we've been full-time doing this um and so yeah i would love to share more with that with you yes i mean and you know what I'm, i take show notes so i'm gonna quote you on this and somebody's listening Good. when life feels overwhelming go back to basics um and you have a story that was overwhelming um and going back to basics how does how does that all connect so uh let me start off at the beginning um so I am a 32-year-old mom of two, and I have your unconventional story. I'm not married. I don't own a house. I don't own all these lavish things, but that's because the thing that I've been focused on is my children and my family. So um, it starts back in 2013. Um, I was in a, in a very loving uh, relationship, but it was a uh, interracial relationship. And that was really hard at the time. Um, we started dating in about 2009. And uh, he was, a, or he is, a Fijian Muslim. And I'm just your typical old little privileged white girl. So I didn't, I didn't think much of this. I just thought, you know what? I love this person no matter what their skin color is, no matter what, what kind of God they believe in. I love them for them. And so I figured that would, love would be all end all. And unfortunately, um, we did plan. We did plan our pregnancy and we had a beautiful son on May 7, 2013. And... Uh, the, the whole pregnancy was a bit of a roller coaster. Um, I didn't feel, what's the word I'm looking for? I knew there was always something different or wrong. No, like, like an instinct, like a, a an your, instinct. Yeah, your totally. Instinct, yeah. Right. And it's so hard to say that because I'm an only child. I don't have siblings. Um, I, I'm not intuitively uh, a mother. This was something that this is my first child, this is my first experience really caring for someone other than myself. So um, I didn't know what to expect, but what I did for myself was I went to nursing school. And the reason why I chose nursing school was because I didn't know what to do at the time. And I figured, hey, this is kind of the, the course that you're supposed to take. This is what they tell you. You go to high school, you graduate, and you go to college. And so I picked nursing because um, through hard times, I wanted to be able to secure employment. And I figured nursing is the greatest economic kind of stuff. Yeah, there's that. never, <laughs> there's there's always a need for that. Like there's no depression. There is, of, yeah, of, right? Well, yeah, right. You're the always there, need. There, there is none of that, right? right? So, um, so that was my reasoning for going to nursing school was because I always wanted to be able to provide for myself or whatever family I was going to build in the future. And the funny thing is, is that my, my goal too was also, I want a career that I will make enough that if I do be a single, if I do become a single mother, that I will still be able to provide a really good life right. for my children. Right. And so, um, and plus 
I, I've always wanted to help people. I've been, um, I've been a candy striper in the hospital volunteering, uh, many elderly homes I volunteered at. So it kind of was just this natural path of, of what do you want to do? So you had this pat compassion for, for humans, for people to help. It, exactly. Right. Um, and I had just, in, uh, in 2009, or no, in 2009, sorry, um, I went through my first hard death. And that was my, I guess that would have been my great grandmother. And she was my, my rock. She was my everything. And she ended up getting cancer. And the, the cool story about that is she beat cancer. Okay. Okay. She, she, she beat cancer and then she went in for a transfusion and I picked her up from the transfusion and she handed me this blanket and she said, throughout my cancer journey, you have been the shining light. And so every time you brought me to a treatment, I started working on this blanket. And now today's my last official treatment. And you were on this journey with me and she gave me this blanket. Okay. And I just thought, whoa, holy, you know, this is hard work. This is love. This is all the things in this blanket. So I've, I've had the blanket till this day. Um, but I dropped her off at home and I, I remember, you know, pulling up to her apartment and saying, Graham, is there anything you need? Are you feeling okay? I can stay. I can, you know, and she goes, no, you've done enough. Take your blanket and go, go roam the world. Right. And that night she passed away. And oh, wow. Yeah. And the, the hard part was, is that she lived alone. And so uh, we didn't actually find out for a few days later. Mm. And so we didn't get to mourn properly. We didn't get to say our goodbyes properly. And it got me thinking, like, I dropped her off at home. And she was the healthiest, happiest I've ever seen her in years. How could this happen? How old was she? She uh, was she about 76 years old. So young, but not. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, she was still able-bodied. She was still, like, seriously, I knew if anyone was going to be cancer, it was her. And she did. Like, a freaking bull in a china shop. <laughs> yeah, that's she how my was, granny was, was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so and so, I didn't think twice to stay that night because I knew, like, in my heart, I'm like, nope, she's going to power through this. She's going to wake up tomorrow. She's going to phone me. And she's just going to tell me how appreciative she is for me and her and the life that she has. And unfortunately, we never got to have that conversation. So I hold this blanket dear to my heart every single day and the reason I'm telling you this is because this actually intertwines into our story today so um and so with the nursing this is also where granny had her part in it because she would be the lady who would candy stripe or sit up front of the hospital and hand out uh free meals Candy. she would be newborns to give away like she was just a soul among souls and everyone should strive to be like that and so that is what I have done and so the career choice was definitely made in her honor as well so um I did my I did my nursing school um I did an excelled program um I did a private institute which means you pay quadruple the times but I didn't care I just wanted to get into that workforce to help that was my goal and so I get in the work or I get through school with honors and I'm pregnant with my first child. And so um, this was a really great time for me because the best place to be when you are a first time mother probably isn't a nursing program. Uh (laughs) Right. They tell you everything, what not to do, what to do. And a lot of the time um, I just I kept going back to feeling like my belly wasn't growing and um 
And did you share this with your doctors? I mean, did you tell people, your gynecologist, hey, you know, something doesn't feel right? Because I've been pregnant twice with my kids. Right? You betcha I did. I told everyone under the sun. And you know what? And the thing was, is that I was 22 at the time. And I feel like my doctors didn't think I could handle whatever was going on. Because you're young. Even though. Because you're young. You're like, yeah, you don't know. Oh. They profiled me, and I also look a lot younger than I actually am as well. So that, while it helps me now in life, it didn't back then because people don't take you seriously. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I did, now I have records upon records to prove that, you know, there was something wrong. But no one would tell me, and no one took it seriously enough to look a little bit further. <sighs> so let's let's fast forward now to... Uh, we're going to go to February 25th, 2013. My baby is due in just a few months. Uh, I'm just about to graduate nursing school. I'm on my last practicum. Um, I've defied all odds. I'm the first person to ever uh, go to college in my family. I'm the first person to ever graduate with honors in a program like this. So I was really excited. And I was also working um, a night audit shift at a hotel um, on top of living on my own at the time. So I was really proud. Girl, you're a badass. You were just such a badass. (laughs) Right? So Right. So I was so proud in that moment to be where I was. And February 25th, um, I was very pregnant at the time and I slipped and I fell. And again, the mother instinct that I don't know where it came from kicked in and I was falling into a a tub uh, because I was washing, I was washing a patient and I was falling into the tub and going to fall on my stomach. So I pushed off and I landed on my butt. But what ended up happening was my leg got stuck under my butt and I snapped off the whole foot. And in doing that, I now have no no ability to get up. I already didn't have an ability because I had a giant baby growing, but now I really don't. And now I'm stuck in between the wall, the tub, and no one can find me. And I don't want to scream and panic other patients. And so it kind of put me in this fight or flight mode. And so um, at the time, I just talked to myself. I'm like, it's not, you're not broken. You've never broken a bone. Today's not your day being this pregnant to be broken. Well, sure enough, it took a whole team of nurses to get me up and into emergency. And sure enough, yes, I had broken both sides of my ankle bone and top of the leg bone. So the only option was surgery. I was not leaving that hospital that day without having surgery. The next obstacle came when they said they had never performed a surgery on a pregnant woman before. So, and where was this at? What part of Canada were you living in at so, this time? In so this... we're in, I'm in British Columbia, Canada, and I gave birth at Langley Memorial Hospital. And this is actually the is hospital. Is this where you, this hospital that you worked at? Yes, and that I was born at myself. So I, I if today was going to be the day to break something or whatever, I had a good repertoire with this hospital. But right. um, they, they brought in a special surgeon that day, and he basically said, we may have to give... You may have to deliver your baby, but that would then make him about 31 weeks. Um, oh, instead of 38. Yes. It's 38. Yeah. Right. Um, so we would have to. Oops, you're breaking up. Can you hear me? Oh, can you hear right, me? There's a little breakup. Hold on. Go, go ahead. We'll, we'll get through it. 
sorry, sorry, that's me in the mouth. <laughs> okay. I apologize. <laughs> um, so anyway, so the option was that I got to deliver the baby via C-section and get the surgery afterwards and then kind of stick it out in the neonatal unit for a while and see what happened with this baby. And I thought, no, that uh, I'd rather have the leg broken than to do that. So I then, they said, what's another option? And they said, well, then you can have an epidural, but you'll be awake while we put your whole leg back together. And mm. I thought, no, that's crazy. I don't ever want to experience right. that, right? Like mentally, that, and then, and then think about that. Your mental state will definitely transpire into your belly and into yeah i had both epidurals with my kids yeah it's good i wouldn't do it again Mm. right no right and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and that's the nature of the game so i thought no i don't want to feel what's going on with my leg while worrying about the baby inside so i thought okay leave me for a hot minute while i do some research so i sat in this bed where I couldn't, I couldn't move. I had to use a bedpan. It was horrific. Um, but I sat in this bed and I just Googled and researched like nobody's business. And I found a medication that would put me to sleep and not harm my child. So I presented it to the doctor. They ordered it in and we scheduled surgery. Um, but one thing I thought was super weird was they never checked on my baby. So then I started calling down to the maternity ward. And I said, I need someone monitoring this baby while I am not awake. Yes. Right? Mm. I need someone to know when to intervene because my leg is such a minor thing at this point that I'd rather save two lives than a leg. Right? So, um, yeah. So uh, they, they did the surgery. It was supposed to take an hour. It took mm. four or five. So apparently it was a little bit crazy, uh, but my leg has healed beautifully from it. But that break ended my nursing career. So unfortunately, I have not been able to practice as a nurse formally in a hospital setting, but I have used my knowledge for many, many, many other things that I'm going to share with you guys. Um, but anyway, so I, I got casted up, I got surgery, I got all this stuff. I It took four months for me to be able to put any weight on my leg. So I actually gave birth in a cast. Um, and that birth ended up um, in a really, it was a different situation. So I'll quickly go over that with you. So I went into natural labor, uh, you know, just active labor, going hard, f- for a minute long every couple right, minutes, right? right? Uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't progressing any, and it was a lot of back. No dilation. You weren't dilating. Just, I mean, the... no di, oh, nothing, wow. nothing. I was pretty stagnant, but I had really active labor going on for mm, two days mm. straight. So finally, I'm like, you know what, guys? I think, I think we need to check on this babe. You know, like if I'm this stressed after this many days, I the stress on the baby. What yes. the baby feels. Yeah. So finally they checked him and they couldn't find a heart. Oh my goodness. So I said, okay, hold on a second here. I just learned about a special test in school. You get in there and you hook the head, the first layer of skin, and that will give you the heart rate of the baby that way internally. So they, they did that. Wait a minute. So you're telling, who's the, who are these doctors that you're having to tell? Like you're giving <laughs> right? them the instructions on how to do this. Like, didn't they yes. go to medical school? <gasps> 
this is this is the thing that we're gonna about to learn in this story is that you know doctors don't actually seem to be the healers you know we really have to look inside of ourselves and advocate yes. for ourselves um right so um during this i knew not to eat anything in case the emergency happened because they won't um sedate you um if you've eaten because then that can cause all right. these problems um so i said well lucky for you guys i haven't eaten and I'm ready for surgery now. And so I literally flew in there by myself. My partner was like still like in shock, not knowing what's going on, getting dressed, preparing himself. Um, and yeah, so I had an emergency cesarean and I did give birth to a dead baby. Um, but fortunately they did CPR for about five minutes and he did come back to us. And you know, he, but he'd never cried. And it was one of those things that I'd watched all these shows about like a birth story and all that back in the day and I was like oh this is gonna be the best thing ever and I'm gonna hear that cry and it's like that's the finale you're looking for and unfortunately I didn't get that cry and even to this day the guy doesn't cry so that's actually been one of the blessings in my life is that he's taken life in such a stride that he doesn't cry about it and therefore he doesn't make me cry about it Mm -hmm. right so um anyway so I give birth to this lovely lovely person and he's only five pounds and he's about 40 weeks so then I was a little bit like huh well that's weird usually they're bigger Mm -hmm. than that and then I noticed like because I had mentioned he had a Fijian father that's a quite a dark skin and so I expected a dark-skinned baby but I came up with a white baby and uh, he did have dark features, though, so I knew I knew the father was right. Um, and so I was like, oh, this is a little bit weird, right? Maybe he'll get his darker skin later, later right, on, right? right. Uh, so I didn't think too much about it. Um, but as soon as I gave birth, they took him from me, and I did not get to have that experience. Oh. I did not get to hold him. I did not get to breastfeed. Uh, they put me in a post-op kind of area. Uh, they told my friends and family and even my partner to take my bags and they'll call them. Like it was a really weird experience. And so finally, when I did get to see him, he was in an incubator. But when I would ask, they would say, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Like I, they couldn't tell me why he was in there. And I thought, this is weird. Right. Again, I've got all my nursing knowledge in my head and I started spewing that. Well, now I became a target. They started right saying like, don't speak around this person. Don't give her too much information. Like she's, she's a nurse. So be careful what you say to this mother. And I thought, wow, this is sideways. You should be wanting to tell me everything about this new baby so I can figure out how to take care of exactly. it. Exactly. And, and so, you know, through, through the next, like, 24 hours, it was horrific at this hospital. I found a nurse sleeping um, in one of the rooms where she was supposed to be caring for him. I found uh, he wasn't hooked up to an IV for over 24 hours. Uh, because he was vomiting from, they were trying to give him formula. He was throwing that up. Uh, so they were, they said nothing by mouth for 24 hours, but forgot to put an IV into him. So he was malnourished. Um, and then I was trying to like pump colostrum for him and uh, give him those vitamins and essentials that he needed. Mm-hmm. And they were just storing them in a fridge and not giving them to him. So finally, I thought, this is not how I'm going to start motherhood. This is not. So I phoned the Women's Center in Vancouver, BC, uh, and they came and got him by the helicopter. Um, And within, I want to say, three hours, they gave me a laundry list 
full of different little things that were wrong. So for instance, it was, you know, um, really shallow, deep breaths. Uh, heart rate was 200. Um, enlarged heart, heart murmur. Um, alkaline blood levels. But the thing that I noticed the most was when they test, when you give birth, they test your baby right away. It's called an APGAR score. And they test the blood and he had a positive blood. And then this five hours later, when they, he was at the uh, Children and Women's Hospital, he had O positive blood. What? How did you, your blood can't change. <laughs> like that's no, it. Like it can't you're, if you're born with A type, you have A type forever. Or you're born with, yeah, B. Wow. Right? So this got people kind of eyebrows raised, including myself. So again, I'm sitting in a bed, just had a surgery, can't move much. I'm researching. And I'm researching and I'm researching. And I find that the only possible way this could happen, and this has later been confirmed, is that my blood, I'm A positive, my blood was pumping through him this whole time keeping him alive. Right. It wasn't his own body. It was my own, right? Right. And so the, the, the issues came when that il- umbilical cord was gone, right? Mm-hmm. So for his body now to try and make this new type of blood, that was the issue. And the doctors had given me all these different types of diagnoses, and I was like, no, this sounds crazy, and that sounds crazy. And so at two months old, finally, we were confirmed by genetic testing that he has a... We're going to call it a disorder uh, called diamond black fan anemia. Mm, I'm going to write and this down. It's diamond black. Diamond. Diamond is one word. Black fan is one word. And anemia is the last word. And diamond and black fan were doctors. Um, and I believe they were actually doctors in Boston, Sick Kids Hospital. And they had this, this, uh, this illness. And basically what it is is the lack of production of red blood cells. So we all know we need lungs to breathe and move oxygen to tissues. We need the heart to pump the blood and we need the bone marrow to produce the blood. So in my son's case, he does not make his own blood in his bone marrow. So he is considered to have a bone marrow bone marrow failure condition. And um, we found out that it is a genetic mutation that happened and uh, they basically told me there was three options for this um, for this really rare condition bone marrow transplant which is only a 50-50 survival rate um, mm-hmm. blood transfusions which come with a whole list of other complications from, from that and then prednisone which is a medication you're only supposed to take for about three to five days and it's basically to stop the system from trying to heal itself so sometimes our body goes in overdrive and we just gotta give a quick minute to just stop right so Mm -hmm. um at three months old we were given our first prescription and of prednisone and it was high dose and he puffed up like a balloon and um i'll give you a little example here at one year old he was 12 pounds so just a tiny little thing right and um that's too small small, right oh my goodness and he had his first transfusion at six days old and at that transfusion i seen the white turned to flesh i turned the the white turned the pink right 
And so I finally got to see what his healthiest state was. And so after that moment when I saw him turn pink, I thought I'm always going to strive for that pink again, right? And so I'm I'm actually really glad to tell you guys that today uh, Ezra is going to be turning eight years old, and he's only had 20 transfusions. He's ha- he's now off all medication. Um, he was on a feeding tube for the first four years of his life, which he has now been off since at least two or three years. Um, he has, for example, uh, most children his age are at about 100 to 200 transfusions and require a lot of medical care. Um, And the reason why I'm here speaking with you guys today is because Ezra thrived for the first time in his whole life during a pandemic. And this has always been a goal of mine, is getting him to his healthiest. Mm. And who knew it would be when no doctors were available, no medications available, and during somewhere where they're asking us to mask up and stay away, right? Um, Ezra actually is exempt because he doesn't have any fat on his body, and it's really hard for him to get that oxygenated uh, blood to his tissues. So putting a mask on him would restrict his oxygen level. And it was, again, me who brought this up to the doctor and they said, you're right. So now we have to navigate a world where everyone's masked up and bullying everyone to mask up here in Canada. Yes. Right? It happens here oh, too does as it? well. Okay, yeah. because it is something fierce here in Canada. My goodness. Like, my poor granny went to the uh, post office. There was no one in it. She forgot to put on her mask. She got chewed up left and right and was refused to mail her item because she didn't have a mask on. Like, holy Toledo's. So um, with that in itself, I'm just not confident in sending Ezra back into the community yet because I know that his best version of himself is unmasked and unmedicated. And unfortunately, every person we see is, have you gotten your vaccine yet? And why aren't you wearing your mask? Yes. Oh my gosh, you're opening up a whole amazing topic. So here in in Texas, and we're going to circle yeah. back to your to your amazing story. But here in Texas, our governor declared, you know, you don't have to wear a mask. Yeah. If you want to, you can, but you don't have to. And a lot of people are so upset over it. Um, for example, in my studio, I don't wear a mask. I don't wear a mask in the, in the building. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't see it. Um. I just recently had a friend who had to go to the doctor for her her cancer brain um, testing, and she's good, she's clear, but her neurologist showed her a video of what happens, what's really going on inside the mask with all the little bugs that are in the mask, no matter what it is, and you're breathing yep. this, and people yep. don't realize it. Totally, totally, and I've actually recently been speaking a little bit on my social media um, because a lot of my friends do know that I have this child and so basically with Ezra's illness it is congenital which means from birth it is chronic which means for life it is non-curable which means there's no way on planet earth yet anyone has found uh, he's one in a thousand worldwide so there's no, there's no research there's no nothing out there And it is terminal, which means the only thing in place is a care plan. There's no prognosis. There's no nothing for him. And so that's what makes this story and journey so much more exciting is that I have again spoken up when everyone was telling us to stop speaking and to mask up and socially distance. Um, I spoke 
And, you know, it's it's not been an easy fight because, you know, you may have heard some stories about where parents have been in court against the governments for, um, you know, neglect against their children for refusing medical care that they felt was, you know, not needed. And it's really backfired on some families. And so I knew I needed to do this in a way that I was going to have data mm-hmm. behind me to prove that I wasn't harming him. But at the same time, also empowering those other families, those other thousand in the world that are crying for help every day because they, they think that their child will not wake up tomorrow. Um, and it's a, a nightmare. I can't imagine that because I'm a mom of two boys. And, and even though one is grown and out of the house and the other one's, in, you know, he's 13, they're still my children. And you mentioned something um, when we first met. And, and this has everything to do right now at this moment in your conversation. You said Western medicine works, but the more you use it, the less it performs. And so you basically had to do a lifestyle change. Yes, yes. And that has been the biggest thing ever. Like, so for Ezra, he has seen, I'm going to say 20 to 40 doctors and in his lifetime. And not one of them has ever recognized this diagnosis or been able to help. So anytime we do see a doctor, they go, okay, Amanda, why are you here today? What am I looking for? And what is the goal? Because they know that they, they actually don't have the service or the answer for me. I'm coming to them, asking them for a specific thing that they can give to us, right? And a lot of the times, I noticed that they couldn't help. And so I'm like, okay, I can't feel defeated in this, and I can't defeat, because how in the heck, you know? And that kind of brings me back to a question where he always asks me, like, why me, Mom? Why did God make me this way? Mm. And it got me thinking to the moment when I didn't hear that cry in the delivery room, like, Oh no, God's punished me. And I turned it around. I was like, no, this is a journey that God gave to Ezra and I, because he knows that Ezra and I are the strongest people together. So that has been, that has been a journey this whole time. Right. And I, I, and I do have days where I'm like, you know what, I'm allowed to be sad. And I tell him that, and I, and I express those feelings with him. And then he does the same mom. I'm really scared today about whatever this and that. And I, I let him feel those feelings. And I think that's really important for any child to be able to feel what they're feeling without us saying, quit being a baby, quit being, you know, this and that. So no, and we're not supposed to uh, smush down or shove down those feelings. Um, if you're having a day, anybody who's listening, um, if you're having a day where you just feel like crying, like you're like, there's something wrong. I don't know what's wrong with me today, but I just feel emotional and I'm crying. Go have that cry. Go flush it out. Go take it out. Let let your body feel it because if you just hold it in and there's the word stuff it yep. down. It goes into other areas. It'll come out as maybe a back pain or shoulder pain or, you know, your body is trying to tell you something. Hey, maybe you need a cleansing of some clean, a good cry to get whatever off your body. And so, um, I'm so, I'm so, I wouldn't even say the word excited. I'm, I'm happy that you're sharing this because there's a lot of people out there that are struggling, not you know, just, you know, we have emotionally, uh, mentally, um, and I know you're a huge advocate of, of that, of, of uh, you know, detoxing your life. And I want to bring that around to what you found in your in your oils. Yes, yes. Because that is amazing. So we'll have to bring that back in. But 
I know you know that you know everything is connected. Our mental health, our emotional health, our our hormone health, our everything, all those yes. links. Every- yeah, the n- nutritional deficiencies, ictron, the, the what do you what do you call it? Our systems or disruptors yeah, or yeah. endo endocrine system yeah. are everything. So every system is connected to each other. And while I read that in many many books, I've seen it firsthand in my son. And so that was the thing is that the doctor would try and help and give me a medication. Well, it would disrupt another system and I'd be chasing that Mm -hmm. symptom. So finally, one day I thought, you know what? I may lose this child to something that isn't his diagnosis. And could I, could I carry on in this, in the mindset that I currently have? And I don't think I could. And so I thought that I'm fighting the wrong fight. I need to fight for his body to be the happiest and healthiest it can be. And not so much for how many days he has on earth, but how good those days were on earth. That is the goal. And so I then started looking at these things. Okay, so we got a nutritionist, we got a dietitian, And unfortunately, because they can't understand his diagnosis, they weren't help. And so I had to go back to basics and do my research. And that is where I stumbled upon something called doTERRA essential oils. And uh, many of us may heard of doTERRA before. They are a global company, which means that you can purchase them locally from a warehouse um, in over about, I think it's 42 countries or something on this planet, which is amazing. Um, they, they are, so doTERRA means gift of the earth in Latin. And they are, they, they started off as an essential oil company, but now they are a wellness company. They are a company who empowers people to live their best life. And that is what they have done for me. And therefore I have been able to do that for my son during a pandemic. And how it started was we've, I've been using essential oils for about 10 years and I knew, and it's aromatherapy has been around for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Like the, the best oil that I could ever recommend for aromatherapy would be eucalyptus. This is what our ancestors have been using for ages. And this is just to clear the air, balance our mood, and increase our respiratory system, right? And so to really take in those deep breaths and just center yourself. Um, And so I started off with oils just aromatically. um, But a lot of them, you'll notice on the bottle, it says, do not ingest. So then I started thinking, like, if these are so great, why can't we ingest them? If they're plant-based, why can't we ingest them? And that's when I found doTERRA. And so I started um, purchasing from doTERRA and I purchased a kid's collection for Ezra because uh, at the time he was going into kindergarten, school refused to help him with giving him any medication that he may need if something, a stressor arose at school. It was this whole big deal. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give him the tools that he can take and I can teach him so he can do it at school when I'm not there. And so he got this little collection of kids rollers that have uh, fractionated coconut oil and a blend of different oils that would help different situations. So um, he took that to school and loved it. Loved that he could have tools to help him. And so that's that's kind of right. what that was the gateway to opening up to oils. Now let's fast forward today. Ezra and I take about 10 vitamins and supplements per day. We take greens, we take fiber. Um, what else do we take? All of our products, so our shampoo, our body wash, our toothpaste, our mouthwash. Uh, and, uh, they have totally, all of it is natural, raw ingredients. There are no 
synthetic mm -hmm. fragrances, chemicals, anything. And so, if anything, the using now are helping boost our immunity system and detox our our liver at the same time, which is phenomenal. Um, with this was when I went to the store. I don't know if in uh, Houston this happened, but definitely in Canada we ran out of paper. What was that about? Oh, we ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> okay, I, I lost you again. Oh. I know, I'm lost. You're going to have to repeat that. But yes, so you said you lost. There was no toilet paper in Canada. Yes, there was no toilet paper in Canada. And oh, everywhere in the U.S. There was no toilet paper. Right? I, I don't know what the hell that was no. about. But yeah, so people were. I couldn't find toilet paper. I couldn't find cleaning products. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't know what to do now to keep this guy safe. And that's when I looked around my home and I had oil sitting around. And I wasn't heavily into them yet. And I thought... No, no, I, I know enough about these that I've, I've got to try. And so again, I do what I always do. I started researching again and I couldn't find any negative benefits. In fact, these oils are telling me, put it in your water, put it under your yes. tongue, put it on your yes. body. Like, I'm, yeah, I mentioned to you, I have a friend who's a doTERRA rep and I buy oils from her and we put it in our water, yes. like the orange drops. Yes. They're powerful. And actually, and you know what? I have a few friends who have autistic children and I have been able to help these people immensely during COVID, being stuck at home with these children that are not receiving the proper behavioral therapies that they need. And so using oils aromatically, uh, one of them refused to eat altogether. So, and started to get scurvy, which is a very old, old, old uh, illness. Yeah, that's like a, that's like a pirate that's a disease. That's a pirate disease. <laughs> but because the, like this, this mother had no help, right? In, in a <gasps> pandemic, I got her, like you said, wild orange essential oil. And I said, you mm -hmm. don't even need to put this in your child, okay? Because we know how hard it is to get anything into an autistic child. I said, put it on the bottoms of his feet every day. And just mm -hmm. sure enough, we banished the scurvy just by putting oils on the feet through reflexology. Um, and so I started to look more into Chinese medicine and like and traditional medicine and essential oils are deep into that, right? So uh, and these are this is a holistic way, you know, and it's so funny, the average person, I mean, I I, I have family members um, that I'm on no medication in, in my age. Like occasionally I'll take an ibuprofen for uh, a sprained ankle that I had many years ago and it likes to come and haunt me every now and then, but no medication, no prescription. But we, you know, for the average American, it's take this pill, oh, you have high blood pressure, take this pill, oh, you have diabetes, take this pill. But then like you said, it messes up the other systems. And it's like, why don't you just do things to eat better so that you're not diabetic? you know exercise more even if it's just simply walking you know people are so not all people i'm not <laughs> going to put everybody but a lot of people want they want the they want yes, the quick fix yes. and they and they and they do what everybody yes. else does and that's one of those things i'm not um a, i'm a free thinker i would rather look at the more natural holistic way to fix myself versus popping I love a pill. that you just called yourself a free thinker because that is exactly what what this is is you need to be open-minded because you know if, if you follow what's going on in the world right now you're, you're probably feeling heavy you're probably feeling like you can't do this anymore what's going on because you're you're, you're not holistically healthy you know your mind is not meeting your gut no. health and, you know and it's really 
it's sad that we're just doing what we're being told. But it's funny because while we're being asked to wear a mask and get a vaccine, no one's telling us to go outside and have a walk. No one's telling us and to go eat an right. apple. Right. They're not telling. Yeah, they're not telling you to have. They're, they're, dude, I'm. God, you're gonna <laughs> know, get me started on this. I, for me, one, I'm not. I'm not. We're not doing no, the vaccine. Us neither. Like we're not. Um, no. And and I wear the mask as little yeah. as possible. Um. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. We should be right now, a, like you said, a laundry list of the things yes. to do to make you as a healthy human as possible. But they, they, yeah, whoever they are, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> I would say they is some guy named Beauregard. And he's a, he's in the basement with a phone yes. that says they, and You're he right. answers it. But, you know, it's like, why do you want to do what everybody else is doing? And people that are posting right now on social media, their oh, picture of gosh. them taking the vaccine. I'm like, really? You know, I, I don't I'm, no, I don't get it. I don't get, I it. Don't get it. So And yes, anyway. and I, I, I'm definitely right there with you. Um, every time Ezra has had or been kind of forced into taking a vaccine, it has neg- negatively affected his body and he's needed a transfusion. So if anything, I find that the system keeps him in the system. So I'm trying to get him out of that system. And we've successfully mm-hmm. done that. Um, Ezra now has had stable blood levels for the last three months. Uh, He's not had a transfusion since December 5th, 2019. And that's huge. So the whole pandemic, not one. And um, what else? And he has grown. He had had several growth spurts. And all of this was told to me by the doctors that this would never happen. So this tells me that treating your body and your mind and feeding your soul what it needs will definitely give you the holistic benefits that you're seeking i've seen it in somebody who doesn't naturally do the typical body things is doing them now with the natural resources of the earth i have not added anything synthetic we do not eat processed foods i mean here or there he'll have a you know crackers or whatever but it's very very um limited uh we're limited in dairy we're limited in gluten Mm -hmm. and this in itself has created miracles and I want to call them miracles because no one else on the planet has done it yet um, and that is why I created Alive, Strive and Thrive it is for uh, it is for Ezra it is he's alive he made it through the craziest birth story you know he has strived during a pandemic and he is forever thriving every single day moving forward um, and the cool f- um, you and I have no to- no you interrupt I- me you interrupt oh, go me. ahead sorry no, no, no. I was going to say, because people were listening, I want everybody to follow you right now on Instagram. Your Instagram handle is alive.strive.thrive. And that's where you can find Amanda. And then your face is your Facebook. Do you have that platform? Yeah. Or so is Instagram is my Instagram? only platform right now. I do have Facebook, uh, but that's more for personal. Okay. Um, and then. Okay. Yeah. So it's Instagram. on Instagram. Yeah. So I and, have oh, a, your a, website. A website. Um, it is insta bio and it is on there so it's not it's not an actual website but it's one of those like link tree type things so you can find all these resources i know i i have that i love it well i'll make sure i put that in there so you were about to say um a miracle oh i was interrupting you okay so he's no blood transfusion since 2019 um and why you called it alive strive and thrive and thrive yeah um and yeah, and so then now what I've been doing in 2021 is I've, I've watched the oils 
absolutely transform my son's life. And so now I've been using them on my animals. Um, oh, like what? Because we have three yes. rescue doggies. What do they do for the animals? Yes. So, for instance, I we just rescued a year ago a uh, pit bull boxer. And she came all the way from California. And uh, she has a lot of tummy issues and allergy issues. So I use lemon essential oil, peppermint essential oil, and uh, lavender essential oil. And these create a natural antihistamine together. And I just apply them. So for instance, if she eats something that she doesn't agree with, uh, I'll put some lemon in her water just as we do. And sure enough, it'll detox her right out. Um, even around her ears. Sometimes she gets allergic reactions from that. I'll put lavender not in her ear, but just rub it around on the outside of her ear and it naturally absorbs into the bloodstream and disperses itself. Um, And then she's also a very avid uh, hiker dog. So she gets scrapes and cuts all over. I apply something called a Correct X, which is a doTERRA uh, natural polysporin. And so I just apply that to her and she doesn't lick it off and it just absorbs into her skin and heals so That's amazing. those are a couple products oh my, it's amazing yeah you know one of the things that i and was it's... educated on, on oils from my friend is you know you can put them on your you know these you can eat so you can drink them you can rub them yes and when you put them in your system for example on your heart um like what yes. uh, was the what was the one i was putting on my heart i can't remember maybe it was the lemon i mean and you you feel amazing oh Yes, yes. So my favorite oil to put over my heart is rose. And that is just the oil of love. And yeah, uh, Yes, that smells. was it. It's a blue bottle. It's a blue. Right? Yeah, it's blue. The label. Yeah. So I put that I put that over my heart when I'm just feeling like, you know, when the heart's feeling heavy, right? Because it happens. But the oils have been a great crutch for me to lean on. Um, also, I have uh, another child who's just turned five. And, you know, I've we've had an interesting journey together because I try and put myself in her shoes. How would I be and how would I feel being a sister of a terminally ill person, you know? And she has been right there involved every step of the way. Every birthday she's had, he's been sick on, except for 2020. Every event that we go to, he got he gets a bug and we're back in the hospital. She's watched many transfusions. And so over the years, it's actually taken a toll on her mental health. And so we actually got the rescue dog for her so that she could focus on something else other than Ezra's health, right? And that has been a huge change too in her. And she's now getting so many benefits from putting oils on the dog and putting oils on Ezra and just feeling that helpfulness and feeling like she's healing them and helping out and just, just right? Yeah. Like it's just... Your story, yeah. I think your entire story can be described because I write for a living is self-repair. Yes. You are a self-repairer, uh, not even a self-healer because healing and repairing are two different things, but you're definitely a self-repairer, whether it's in life, if it's physically, emotionally, and, um, oh my God, this is such an I, emotional I podcast. I know. Thank you so, so much. I want and I want to put a shiny spotlight. Do you have an event coming? Because I was looking at your Instagram. It's the Detox Your Home. Is that your event or is that something no, else's so there, event? No, so that's the thing is that um, with doTERRA, they are an inclusive community. So we 
I like I work with the top builders. You know, they make six, seven, eight figures every year, and they are my mentors. So we work closely all the time, every week. I get to go on calls with them. They get we get to share things, and so you'll find there on my Instagram in my uh, the link. There is a resources in there. There's there's videos with our top board certified vet that I follow very heavily uh, because that's what I'm currently passionate about so I want to share that so I have uh, PDF files for that we have uh, replays and videos you can watch on how to use oils for your animals and even getting Mm -hmm. certified so you can get certifications in using these sorts of oils and stuff so that's pretty cool Um, but yeah there's uh, there's a lot of PDFs and ebooks on there that will show you how to start detoxing your life you know because it can be overwhelming look how much stuff we have right so so it's as simple as getting that lemon for ten dollars and putting it in your water start there right um it can yeah, yeah right? we started with the orange so it's yeah, that and simple the lemon. and then you know it's like oh i got I, I burned myself cooking some dinner i'm just gonna throw some lavender on there right yes and once you start mm-hmm. to see what your body does and how the oils enhance your body's own natural healing it's absolutely phenomenal and so just giving yourself the independence of healing yourself rather than having to seek healing right so um yeah it's been definitely a tool that i will forever love and now i've made Mm. it into a business and so i'm slowly growing that business um and i'm doing so in the mountains of canada so how great is that all, all I can say is you're just such a badass. Even if you don't feel like it some days, I'm just keep that words right? of your Thank friends you so here much. in Houston, Texas, telling you you are a badass. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to wrap this up pretty soon, but I wanted to get your um, story out. And you know what? I would love to have you back. Yes, girl. Maybe in the fall when school supposedly starts or come back. We want to hear the we want to hear the status. We want to know what's going on in the next chapters. Um And I just can't thank you enough for sharing this. I think this is going to be, it's going to do two things. You're going to have people that listen Mm -hmm. and they're going to have their aha moment. And then you're going to have people that listen and think it's a bunch of, you know, whatever malarkey. And that's okay. It's not for them. Um, We're not for everybody. Uh, Shakespeare said that, I think in 1654, you're not for every market. And so again, this is here to help the people who are open-minded and want something they want something. They want to be able to fix themselves and repair themselves. Yes. So this podcast is for them. And um, I just can't imagine um, the great stories that Ezra's going to have as he gets Sorry, older. Yes. So uh, Ezra is my son. Eden is my daughter. So I chose their names accordingly. It is hard, uh, though, when you're yelling both names. <laughs> <laughs> Ezra, uh, uh, right? Oh, um, funny. Yeah, so... Uh, oh, and your dog, your dog. Evie. What's your doggy's name? And Evie. well, she and Evie actually is I. So the cool thing, what I forgot to kind of, I'll wrap it up here, is Evie is named after that grandmother that died. Made that blanket. And remember how I told you she died from a transfusion? Yes. Well, someone who lives on yes, it's full circle. Like the world is not by mistake. Things don't happen by coincidence. My grandmother was preparing me for the hardest journey of my life. And that is why it is what it is today, right? So 
it, oh my goodness, I, you can make me cry on my right? podcast, damn it. So um, yeah. we do, I'm, I'm so glad that you're, you're asking us to come back and kind of do another story because I would love to introduce Ezra here um, and he would love to speak to you. Yes. He's an amazing human being, especially since finding his own independence and victory through oils. Uh, he's had a personality change. Um, and we actually do. We have some really exciting things happening. Um, and so I'd love to share those with you. Well, maybe you guys can start right? your own podcast. Just going to put right? that little seed in your ear. If you need help, if you need help, you, you know, we'll talk some more. We, we can talk. Um, but yeah, I would love to help you with that. Well, golly, I, I just, man, I can't thank you enough for taking um, almost an hour of your day with us, Amanda. It means so much. Um, I'm going to put all your social media handles. Uh, well, it's all on Instagram. Again, it's uh, Alive, Thrive, and hold on. I want to mess it up. Alive.strive.thrive. Yeah. And so I'll put it in there. Um, and I, I noticed you have my podcast yes! in there. That's so sweet. Yes, thank girls. Women <laughs> supporting yeah, women. Yeah, we got to have your we got to put your link in there too. Once we get this uploaded, um, if you have any questions, I'm sure people can reach out to you with yes, a DM on yes, Instagram. Do. Um, and if anyone, like man, if you guys, if anyone on here um, has any ailment, even toe fungus, even something so minor, I, I can, oh, yeah. I can help you with natural tools to be consistent with them. This isn't a quick fix. This is a light. If, if you have any questions, Ooh, we're breaking up need... again. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. The last thing we heard was oh. toe fungus. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any sort of issues, including toe fungus or anything minor to very severe as in fibromyalgia, anything that you guys have, please reach out to me. I do have the tools to help you and the research behind it. I won't just throw oils at you and not explain to you what they're for and how they scientifically can help you. There we go. We like that. We like the facts. And then, guys, thank you for your patience for listening. Amanda is yes, in the mountains I'm sorry. in I'm Canada. Sorry. And <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you have any questions, you can reach me at middlefingerhappiness at gmail.com. Again, that's middlefingerhappiness at gmail.com. And this is Sharon Lee Zapata. And again, thank you for coming on as my guest, Amanda, and everybody listening. Have a great day. Peace, Peace out, out, guys.